Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. This is Talia Schlanger, and you're listening to Here's the Thing from iHeartRadio. Yellow walls are lined with portraits and I got my new red fetching leather jacket All these poses, such beautiful poses Makes any boy feel like picking up roses That's the absolutely unmistakable voice of Rufus Wainwright. The song is Poses. It's the title track from his second album. You could say that musical craftsmanship was Wainwright's destiny. It's certainly in his DNA. He was born to folk royalty, son of singer-songwriters Loudon Wainwright III and Kate McGarrigal. His sister Martha is also a compelling musician. Rufus Wainwright was playing piano by the time he was six and touring as a member of the McGarrigal sisters and family when he was only 13. So it's no surprise that he broke through early. Rolling Stone named Rufus Wainwright Best New Artist for his self-titled debut album. He went on to record nine more studio albums and five live albums. He's won Juno Awards and been nominated for Grammys. He's been honored by GLAAD and has poured his gifts into numerous genres from pop to standards and even opera. That's Oh Madame Saint Laurent from Rufus's opera Prima Donna. He's also an unabashed lover of theater and of the legendary Judy Garland. All the music of life seems to be like a bell that is ringing for me. That's almost like being in love from Rufus's 2007 live album Rufus Does Judy at Carnegie Hall. The songs Rufus performs are so wide-ranging and demanding. I was curious to hear how he prepares on show day. Yeah, I just got off a a fairly long European tour. Um, I would say, you know, especially when you're in Europe and you're going, you know, to, to a different country every day, that usually entails, you know, trying to get some sense of where you are and maybe taking a walk, you know, around 
the beautiful part of, of, of the place that you are playing. But other than that, you know, I think what I most enjoy doing just on a more kind of musical level is, is you know, I write songs all the time. And if I can get into a mode where I'm writing backstage, I kind of get lost in that process. On one hand, it also, it, it, it warms up my voice because I'm just sort of, you know, singing repetitively. But then also I've, I have this strange thing where oftentimes I will come up with an amazing lyric or what I think is an amazing lyric right before I have to go on stage. <laughs> it's like a strange little cosmic wow. sort of thing that happens. And so I, I'm always shocked, at like right before I have to, you know, jump onto the stage, this like melody will come or this lyric will come. And it's kind of, you know, the, the muses playing tricks yeah. on me a bit. So I, I, <laughs> they're I, like, here you go. Now you can't work on this idea. Now yeah, you gotta go entertain yeah, the people. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's hap it happens quite regularly. So wait, so what do you do with it then? I very quickly, you know, grab my phone and record it and and then run out. Uh, but it's odd how that happens almost regularly if, if I am writing uh, before a show. I'm sort of knocked out that you have the energy to write before a show. Yeah. And then often I'll finish the show and come back and I'll continue writing. I mean, it's not always like that, but but I go through periods like that. And actually my band are a little bit shocked. They're like, this guy just, somebody turn him off. <laughs> He's going to disintegrate. <laughs> it's kind of unbelievable <laughs> because performing is exhausting. It's so demanding. Yeah, and then yeah. writing you're sort of, are you asking for energy from a different part of yourself? Yeah, it's a, it's a different part of yourself. And, yeah. and also, it's my happy place. You know, what can I say? I mean, it's, it, it sure beats, you know, watching the news on the bus, you know, <laughs> to continue that cosmic journey through, you know, lyrics and music. I want to drill down a little bit more on the writing process. Like you said, muses. Do you believe is there a sort of spiritual component or an otherworldly component to ideas dropping into your head? Yes, yes. Well, speaking with Talia, who of course is one of the muses. Yeah, no, I, 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 I have a kind of witchy, you know, belief and in inspiration, and you know, coming up with these ideas and characters that kind of speak to you from another world and need to be um, manifested and so forth. I, I I strongly believe in that kind of pagan <laughs> ritual, you know, of summoning the muses, yes. What needs to be in place for you to be able to summon them? Like, is there a part of your life that you have to be active in in order for that connection to be there? Uh, you just have to ask, you know, you just have <laughs> to summon them. Uh, and it really doesn't uh, take that long. I mean, I... And, and I'm as once again, I'm very lucky to have this because because some artists don't. But I have often found that if I really sit down and I say, "Look, I got to write this song," you know, send me a message. I am usually rewarded pretty quickly. Uh, maybe it's not you know a masterpiece or anything, but I don't know. There's this. I, I have a very good relationship with the creative forces for some reason. I've, <laughs> I, I have good karma or something. For instance, you know, my sister just wrote a, a book. Martha Wainwright, she wrote a book about a, a sort of a memoir called, I think it's called Stories I Might Regret Telling You or something. <laughs> and it's doing quite well. And I've written things occasionally. That is the complete opposite. If I have to write prose and sit down and, you know, compose a sort of story that's that, that, that's like pulling teeth for me. I'm wondering also, like, so there, there are these ideas that come from wherever they come from, but then there's the actual work, like the mechanics of sitting down and giving physical form to an idea, yeah. which is like a massive amount of 
work? Do you ever have a day where you're like, mm, I don't want to do that? If I have to do it, I do it. But it isn't, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm someone who maybe because I, you know, I have, I've had, you know, rather reckless tendencies in the past, you know, wanting to go out and wanting to kind of lose myself and, you know, the dark recesses of, of, of the world occasionally. Therefore, I've always had a lot of projects on the go whether it's musicals or operas or making records. And that does also, you know, that gets me out of my head and just allows me, you know, just to, just, it's, it's, it's wholesome <laughs> in the end. <laughs> keeps you out of trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It keeps me out of trouble. There you go. That's yeah. fair. Fair. Well, I'm wondering, like the, you put out a new album a couple of years ago. And when I think about your evolution as a songwriter, I'm wondering how you think that you've changed as a songwriter over time, maybe since you were, engaging in some of those dark recesses. Yeah. I mean, certainly every song that I've written, I try to write it as if I've never written a song before, you know? Mm. Um, but then, of course, there are, you know, themes that that arise that I've worked with. And, and, and there does seem to be kind of types of songs that I write that are in these, like, compartments. I really try to make it a, a, a blank slate at the outset. I think when you do it so much and for so many different types of projects, you do have to sort of, you know, you have to be able to get super zen about it at the outset. And then, you know, then it takes the form that it will take. I mean, if I was a pop songwriter, you know, and that does exist, you know, there are, especially in Los Angeles, I mean, there's yeah. whole teams of people who churn out these pop hits and they there's a real formula to it and a real kind of like desire to, you know, hit a market and stuff. That is a big job. I cannot do that. Why is it like? How is what you are doing different than yeah. than what that is? Well, because I'm I'm going to you know for me it's a spiritual. I'm not saying that other people don't have a spiritual connection to their songwriting, but mine is wholly so. <laughs> you know, in the sense that like I'm when I'm writing a song, I'm not thinking about any other artist singing it. I'm not thinking about you know what's on the radio. I'm not thinking about what the kids want to hear or what what's you know popular at the moment. It's like totally devoid of anything like that. And I'm not necessarily proud of this. It's just how I do it, you know? Yeah. But that's the journey that I uh, take and people seem to react well to it, you know? Well, it's kind of always been that way. Like if I'm, as you're yeah. saying this, I'm thinking 1998, you put out your debut album. The biggest albums that year were like The Miseducation of Lauryn Hill, uh, like hip hop, R&B, soul, Mezzanine, Massive Attack, the grunge era had just come yeah. and that was all about yeah. people pretending that they weren't putting effort into anything. Did you have any sense or any care about how you were fitting in at that time? I had no idea what was happening uh, <laughs> on many levels. <laughs> I just wanted to write a really great song. I mean, I was I was very, and still am, you know, dedicated to the classics of songwriting, whether it's, you know, the, the classic American songbook or, mm -hmm. you know, German leader or, you know, opera and or, or, you know, great American musicals. And I just wanted to write something that was... Um, kind of arresting as, as those works can be, you know? And a lot of that music, you know, when, when like Nirvana came out and stuff, I just, it's not that I didn't like it or or that I didn't get it. I just didn't, it just wasn't in my purview, which is funny because I ended up going to LA and hanging out with Courtney Love. Like I knew all those people, I was in that scene, mm -hmm. but I was in my own little bubble doing my own little thing. And, and uh, thankfully I had the... Um, I had the support to do that with DreamWorks he, records and stuff. So, 
Yeah. You, you said that you wanted to write the great song or that you were on the hunt for something. Yeah. Was there a first yeah. song that came out of you that you were like, oh, okay, I can do this? Well, I mean, the one the one that's most sort of seminal is this song, Beauty Mark, that I wrote about my mother uh, early, early on. And, my, and it's on my first album. I'd written a bunch of songs that uh, were kind of all over the place. And my mother told me that. <laughs> she said, you know, you got, you, she said, you got to really tighten this up a little bit here because I don't think oh. people are going to want to listen to this too much. We should say like she was an amazing folk singer, Kate McGarrigal. Yeah, she was. Yeah, Kate McGarrigal. Great. Yeah, legendary folk She wasn't singer. just like some mom who yeah. was like, no, 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 no you can do no, better. No, yeah. no, no, no. She was, she was very um, intent on really, you know, giving me a solid education and therefore was pretty critical of both Whoa. my sister and I. But so I wrote Beauty Mark as a kind of reply to her. Hmm. And uh, and she loved that song. And she kind of liked every song after that, pretty much, except for a few exceptions. <laughs> and she'd tell you those? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, she would let me know. <laughs> so, so you write that song early on, and you like sort of mentioned that when you were writing at that time in your early career, there was a big lifestyle that was going along with it partying, having a lot of fun. How did you balance that with the actual craft of like sitting down at the piano and doing what you were doing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just, I, it all came together, you know, it was all done at the same time. I mean, I, mm. my great uh, saving grace, and it, and it is true, is that I was never able to really perform when I was screwed up. Like I like drinking and singing huh. on stage just did not work for me. It, it, I immediately, you know, my tuning faltered and my you know pl piano playing i'd make mistakes and stuff so so i had to have a line and uh, sort of a border there that 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 i was thankfully i had uh, but but when i wrote and stuff at home you know i could do whatever the hell i wanted <laughs> you know and i very much you know kind of would go to a party and then get back at dawn and then you know write more and beauty mark is such a raw song as so many of your songs are I'm wondering, like, as a writer, was it always comfortable for you to go to a place like that and write with that much honesty? Yeah, yeah. No, I, it was. It, look, I had there, there was never any choice otherwise. I mean, <laughs> and, and that and that's more of a family tradition. I mean, if you look at my dad's music, Loudon Wainwright, or or my mother, or my sister Martha. I mean, we've always imbued the, our material with, you know blood <laughs> and uh, for better or for worse i mean it's been a somewhat of a rocky road but uh that was begun by our parents so yeah we're just continuing a tradition and um it's working for the time being i don't know if our kids will will go into music and do that as well but who knows <laughs> <laughs> i read somewhere that your parents put you to sleep like in a guitar case when you were a baby yes. is that actually folk fairy tale or is that true no that's true and i have really? a photograph i have a photograph yeah no my mother was in the hospital uh you know she had me and then they were driving her home but before going home she went to see my dad in the studio and there was no crib there so they they put me in the guitar case and that was my first ever crib outside of the hospital was a guitar case yeah 
And your parents, I understand, split when you were three years old. Yeah, I was three. I was three. Yeah. What did you understand about it at that time, or how did they explain it to you? I didn't. I didn't really understand it at all. But the one sort of memory that I have that that stuck with me was wondering why they were putting the dining room table in the back of a truck. (laughs) Oh. Like, like that didn't really make much sense to me. But yeah, so I remember that. And uh, yeah, no, it was it was a very tough divorce for everybody, for both my parents and also for my sister and I. And uh, and we do write about it, you know. We do we do communicate these stories. I think people appreciate that. But yet, as I said, it, it comes at a price as well because you know the lines can be blurred between you know the stage and the kitchen. <laughs> That's for sure. I mean, yeah. it kind of blows my mind to think about having a mom who's working at communicating her feelings about your family life on stage to audiences while yeah. you're growing up yeah. yeah, in it. Like, can you give me a sense of what it was like to grow up with a songwriter for both parents? Yeah, I mean, it was uh, there's just a, a language that we could all hmm. you know understand and that uh, was wonderful to communicate in. And look, in the end of the day, it got our feelings out and we were able to be passionate and sort of loving and, you know, exciting people because, you know, we had this, we had good lighting. (laughs) (laughs) How did you fall in love with musicals? Like your parents were both folk musicians. So where did the love of musicals come from? I would visit my dad and we would go see musicals and... um, In New York? Yeah, New York. Yeah, He was in New York and we'd go to... Annie and Barnum and Cats and stuff. So it was really through him. And then I developed a real passion for uh, Cole Porter, Hmm. especially. And those very famous, the Ella Fitzgerald records, when she would do the songbook albums. you know, Classic American songbook, yeah. Yeah, And so I would listen to those songs, which were often from musical shows, and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then do a little research here and there. I would think that somebody like with with a love of musicals and and theater and all that and with also the widely emotional voice that you have with so much range to it could have thought about pursuing theater as yeah. a career. Did you ever think about that? Hmm, I mean I I didn't want I wanted to write the material, but but I am writing. I mean, I've written a musical now uh that will actually be uh premiered um, in about a year or so. I, I can't really say anything about it. But yes, I am definitely aiming. I want to know everything I, about I it. I know, I know, I know. And, and it's, and it's got a great story. And there's, it's with a great sort of team. And um, and you will know more about it. But I mean, certainly now, you know, with the Judy Garland shows, celebrating her 100th birthday and, and singing a lot of those, you know, classic musical songs. And, 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 and also, I mean... With her especially, um, I was like just head over heels in love with movie musicals. You know, for me, I didn't want to be on you know the stage necessarily in a musical. I wanted to be on a sound stage, you oh. know, with you know thousands of people surrounding me and you know fountains and thunderclaps <laughs> and everything. So that was sort of more what I was. Uh, susceptible to. Well, there's the glamour of it, but there's also, I think, the music. Like, what was it about the music that Judy Garland sang that made you want to take it on? Yeah. Well, I think with her especially, it was this insane, and I'm speaking about her her movies now and the musicals, this insane kind of laser beam of strength that where <laughs> all of these elements suddenly were mushed together, you know, whether it was her incredible singing, an incredible song, the great lighting. I mean, the light, even though I say lighting in a kind of funny way, though, you can't, but that Hollywood lighting was just so 
otherworldly and then the great costumes and the great choreographer and it would all come together in this sort of blinding ray of light and just devastate uh, anyone who even came within you know <laughs> an inch of it so I was very seduced by that. And, and of course, the music was really top of the list. I mean, I mean, in the sense that uh, that songwriters at that time, and a lot of them did write musicals, you know, Irving Berlin and, and uh, Cole Porter and all of those guys, is that they, they were really celebrated as these, uh, they were considered gods in a lot of ways. And, yeah. and when I say gods, I mean I mean like gods, gods and goddesses, more Greek style to what everything, what everybody did. It had to be just so seductive and so powerful and so kind of um, just undeniable in a lot of ways. And, well, and there was I, a sense I, of occasion, yeah. like there was yeah. a sense of occasion about everything that I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And I think to be on stage or to be on the film on screen, you know, you had to be larger than life. Yeah. Musician Rufus Wainwright. If you love conversations with powerful songwriters, check out our episode with Carly Simon. I had developed my own voice, but with so many influences that I hadn't, I hadn't cut myself off from my influences and made a whole me. The umbilical cord was still attached to Odetta, was still attached to Annie Ross of Lambert's Henriks and Ross, still attached to Pete Seeger, to, to the various influences. I mean, I still have trouble with that. Hear the rest of the conversation with Carly Simon at heresthething.org. After the break, Rufus shares the special something it takes to do justice to Judy Garland. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant... Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes 
and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I'm Talia Schlanger, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. That is, of course, Somewhere Over the Rainbow, from Rufus Wainwright's new live album, Rufus Does Judy at Capitol Studios. Wainwright's music often features big, luscious instrumentation, which makes this gorgeous a cappella moment particularly unique. There's a story behind that, and what it is is that, I mean, that was a song that my mother and I did together since I was a very young child. And when I first did the big, you know, tribute shows at Carnegie Hall and and at the Palladium in London. You know, we had a big orchestra and and everything. And and I, for that number particularly, I had my mother come out and accompany me just for the beginning, you know, and then the strings would come in and, and the band and it would, you know, become more like the original. But there was just sort of this nice moment of with the two of us. And then sadly, you know, she passed away from cancer at 63. And and so, so in a lot of ways, that's sort of me, you know, that's her. Me and her together. <laughs> oh, do you mean that you're sort of like marking her absence yes, by having yes, those lines without her? her? Yeah, yes, oh, yes, geez. yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can feel that. Like, <laughs> I mean, I think I know many people who have emotional connections to that song for whatever reason, yes, but you yes. can really feel a presence yeah, of something. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. No, that song, I mean, look, it's been done eight billion times in eight billion different ways. But it's it's amazing how powerful it is and how, you know, how it just it's the gift that keeps giving for sure. Yeah. Did you perform this album for an audience of one for Renee Zellweger? Yes, yes. I so did. <laughs> what's what's it like to perform just for one yeah. person versus thousands? Well, this was a COVID measure, you know. Okay, I mean, okay. You know, it was it, it, it stemmed from uh, a kind of a uh, a series of shot concerts that I did from my living room yeah. during COVID when all my tours were canceled and I just did shows here. We would have like a celebrity guest for each one. And so it was part of that uh, that series. And so um, did yeah. Renee win a raffle? Is that how she ended up no, sitting in no, the- <laughs> We won, Renee. Uh, yeah. We won the raffle and Renee arrived. Really, actually, we did because we would ask a lot of people and some people could, some people couldn't, some people didn't want to, you know, be anywhere for, during COVID. So it was, uh, we were very fortunate to have her and yeah i know she was uh totally gracious and i think really enjoyed it a lot and uh she was going to maybe sing at one point but but then it didn't really make sense because she'd just done judy and she'd won the oscar for it and Mm -hmm. and it was sort of like i think she was ready to like be a spectator you know you know she was ready to she she didn't want to kind of go back into judy which i totally understand you know move on yeah did you and your mom connect over Judy when you were younger, too, or just as a grown-up? I mean, I think she appreciated Judy Garland. I think she was also aware that it was, you know, 
indicative of some other things. What do you mean? <laughs> you mean in terms of me, you know, loving Judy Garland. It's like, oh, my God, you know, my son is not going to be a football player. She was nervous about a lot of that stuff, you know, that I was gay. And so I think it was accepted, but but also not necessarily encouraged. She wasn't against it or anything, but it was, you know, once again, it was a different world. Being gay back in the 80s was was very different. But but she appreciated her artistry and she loves the song. But she was more of, she was really more of a rock and roll person. My yeah. mother loved, you know, Bob Dylan and the Rolling Stones and people like that. I'm curious about what it was like to come out to your mom yeah. at that time. Yeah, no, it was, it was, it was intense. It was intense. I was only 13. So, wow. so it, you know, so, so, and that was very rare at that time and AIDS was everywhere. And, and so it was, uh, it was a heavy duty time, but, um, we got through it, thankfully. Were you scared at that time, too? For Like, did you have an awareness? Oh, of- yeah, all the time. Yeah, no, I was scared shitless, you know, of what was going on with, with AIDS and and everything. And, and uh, so was everybody. It was, it, was, it's, it was like a very dark period, which, I mean, we're in a dark period now. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the AIDS epidemic was, was pretty bad. I grew up in theater and yeah. uh, working in theater. And my first roommate was a gay guy who was, he was in his 20s. I was 17. And he and his friends sort of showed me how to live and showed me yeah. the ropes. And we were in Toronto, which is quite different. But yeah. we, you know, I I got a sense of it. We've lost friends in our friend group yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. to complications due to HIV. And it's so real. And, and it's so recent. Yeah. Like, it's kind of amazing to make it out of that time safely. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It is. And it, and it is. And it's somewhat of a miracle, I have to say, because I was, I was, I had some pretty dicey <laughs> periods at certain points. Um, but, you know, it is, look, I mean, and maybe with Judy, too, and, and, and in a strange way with those songs and also, you know, she's going to be, she would have been 100, you know, that that's wow. that June 10th is, I'm performing, you know, at City Winery for her birthday and, and, and doing some of this out, doing her a lot of these songs. And um, even though she died at a very young age and she was obviously a victim of addiction and so forth, there's something in her voice that gave a lot of strength to people and really helped soldier on through, you know, really impossible odds. Yeah. And we need honesty from our, yeah. from our artists. Yeah. That's something I've always admired about your writing, like I'm such a long, long time fan of yours. And I think one thing when I was getting ready to talk to you today that I was thinking about is like having these really big grand arrangements. Um, you have to have a real emotional truth to what you're saying for that to all make sense and land and not feel over the top, like to feel real. Is that something you think about in your Yeah, writing? well, I have to say, I have to say with this album, I strongly believe that that is one of the, its, its greatest assets. Is that this whole Judy, you know, phantasmagoria beforehand with the Carnegie Hall and the orchestra and the, you know, the big arrangements and everything? That's great, and I love yeah. doing that, and I will do that again. But there's something in paring it all down and really going back to the essentials, and 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 also 
really having it lean mostly on my interpretations as a singer and, and as an artist. There's a brutality to it, which is good. It's much more fierce. And now I've sung those songs for many years, you know, mm -hmm. like when I made my album, the Judy album, uh, almost 20 years ago, I didn't know a lot of that material very well, but now I've, it's really in my body and, 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 and I just have to sort of, I could do it all a cappella. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to sing though. Like that stuff is not easy to sing. It requires no, a huge no. range, right? Yeah. Well, it just, I think it requires an intelligence. Not, not that I'm smart really, because I'm, I, I'm actually quite dumb in a lot of ways, but musically, I, it, you have to sort of really, I don't know, you have to inhabit both the lyrics and the melody and, and, and sort of really interpret them in a way that, that the listener is, is, is very much, you know, taken away in, into this other world. And all the, those great songs have the ability to do that. Cigarettes and chocolate milk. Rufus Wainwright. If you're enjoying this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Tell a friend. And be sure to follow us on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. When we return, Rufus Wainwright shares his thoughts on how fatherhood has changed him. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. I'm Talia Schlanger, and you're listening to Here's the Thing. 
That's Rufus Wainwright performing Going to a Town from his 2007 album, Release the Stars. Wainwright's wide-ranging style is impossible to pigeonhole. For a musician who has straddled so many styles and had such a long career, I was curious who his fans are today, who he sees when he looks out at the crowd. Well, it depends where I am. You know, I especially in Europe, I get a good sense of that, where, you know, in certain places it'll all be people my age or older and then other places there'll be a lot of young people like in Spain for instance there's still a lot of young people who come to see me mm-hmm. uh, a lot of women a lot of women yeah. uh, and a lot of straight guys the gays are a little harder to pin down as usual they're, <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, they're just a little more uh, they, they, they're they very into the flavor of the month you know ah the more fair yeah. weather fans yeah I see. they're fair I weather see. fans I mean I they see. know who I am and they come occasionally and they they've enjoyed their time and they they've noted my existence but it's not uh they're not particularly loyal which you know is kind of part of being a gay person sometimes <laughs> gay man I, I especially <laughs> not that if I've the lesbians is the opposite they're like the most loyal I mean they're with you till the bitter end that's interesting do you yeah. think that your being out has affected your career in one way or the other? Yeah, no, very much. I mean, I think it's given me um, a kind of, uh, I don't know. It's been an interesting ride. I mean, I I think fundamentally I'm very happy with my decision and my story and my career and my you know legacy are, are firmly kind of established and rooted. I do think I lost a lot of opportunities along the way that could have maybe made me I don't know, more mainstream or, you know, more, maybe more money and stuff. But, really? but in the end of the, yeah, oh yeah, totally. But funnily enough, I think I actually dodged a bullet because if I, you know, I, I, I'm a, I'm not hounded all the time. I have privacy. I I can do what I want to do. You know, I'm not sort of sla- a slave to this show business beast that, um, that I think people who are, are a few notches up from me have to contend with. Yeah. More. Did anybody ever try to make you keep yeah, that they would, side uh, of they yourself would, uh, down? Oh yeah, no. They would often say like, "Oh, money, just pretend you're bisexual." Oh or, God. Like when I, you know, when I would say it, or that you're, or just not talk about it. I mean, oh yeah. When I look, when I started, it was nobody was doing it. I mean, yeah. it, was, it was, and I was in the mainstream. I was signed to a major label, and you know, doing big shows, and and I was very honest about my sexuality, which was completely unusual at that mm-hmm. time, especially for men. Because at that time, there were people like Melissa Etheridge and Katie Lang had kind of come out of the closet a bit. So yeah. it was kind of happening, but it was, but that was more of a sort of, how can I say this? I wouldn't say it was a thing, but it was sort of, uh, it was less dangerous, I think, uh, than a gay man, which is interesting. But then afterwards, you know, it, it became, you know, more common. Do you think that the music industry has changed at all when it comes to welcoming people of all... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I do actually feel that in the music business, it's more, it's, you know, with people like Lil Nas X and Troy Sivan. And yes, there's a foothold now that exists. And I think even after, you know, the death of of, of, um, 
George Michael, which was, you know, he obviously struggled so much with his demons. And so there's kind of, I don't know, it's it's more in, embedded at this point. I think in Hollywood and the acting thing, it's completely still out to lunch. I mean, I mean, there's, it's, why is there not one leading man who's gay? <laughs> really, like a leading man, yeah. you know? Yeah. There's not one, you know, still. And uh, I mean, they kind of toy with it. But but there, I think in in Hollywood, it's in the in the movie business and stuff. It's it's still a big problem. I'm thinking about um, so Schitt's Creek, this like wonderful show created by Eugene Levy and his son Dan Levy. Yeah. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking about the finale episode, which was considered groundbreaking. You know, in the last couple yeah. of years, where the Dan Levy's character marries a man, and it was just yeah. this really beautiful, touching wedding ceremony to to watch. And Dan, did you see Dan Levy's mom's tweet? She tweeted, today I regret every single second of worry back in the uninformed 80s, wondering how the world was going to treat my brilliant little boy who loved to twirl. Little did I know that he was going to kick that old world's ass to the curb and create a brand new one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's wonderful. Yeah. But I think that that's part of like, I'm grateful to you for being who, who you are and doing it in the way that you do it, because I think it gives other people license to be themselves and to see that that's, oh. that's the way, like, th that's not only the way to live, that's also the way to create art. That's the way to achieve your dreams. That's, that's the way to do all of this. Yes, yes. Well, thank you so much. <laughs> it's a really beautiful thing. How, um, I'm, I'm curious to know if your daughter's interested in music at all now. Yeah, no, she is. She, she sings and she's interested in it, but she's also interested in her nails. <laughs> And uh, and her hair and and her friends and you know it's not it's not uh, there's a whole wide variety of, of, of interest there. How do you balance like sure. fatherhood and and being there for your kid with all of these demands and and also like writing before you're getting out on stage on tour all all of the stuff right, that you do. Right, right. No, I just do it. Thankfully, I have the time and I also have the great the support. I mean, I have a great husband, mm -hmm. Jorn, and who's also my manager as well. So that's really helpful because he can really understand, you know, the, the tightrope that has to be walked. And um, and once again, I mean, I'm not super famous in the sense that, you know, I, I can have privacy. I can I can have downtime. I'm not hounded like all those People like Lady Gaga and stuff. I mean, that that in itself becomes its own job, and that to me would be this just like a bloody nightmare. So yeah, did so, yeah <laughs> did becoming a dad yourself change the way that you think about your own dad when you were growing up? Yeah, I mean, somewhat, somewhat, somewhat. But uh, you have to try to forgive your parents regardless <laughs> of whether you understand it or not. Yeah. Is there anything that you learned from him as a dad that you want to pass on to your daughter? He's funny. <laughs> he has a good sense of humor. Yeah. Yes, he has an amazing sense of humor. Actually, he's very—he really knows how to make my daughter laugh, and that's very important. And when I say laugh, I mean really laugh. He's—he's—he's uh, a, he's a brilliant wit, and 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 I—I uh, I, I admire him for that. You've written so much about craving and longing and desire in your career. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm thinking about the album "Want One" and the yeah, the song yeah, "Want," yeah. where you wrote. I just want to be my dad On the slide sprinkling of my mother What do you want now? 
Now what do I want? Uh, good question. Well, you know, speaking of Broadway, I actually would like to conquer Broadway. It's very simple. I spent, you know, during COVID, this idea to write this musical came up, and I did it. And, uh, and, and now we're very much in the process of, you know, producing the, the theater piece and, and getting, you know, casting and stuff like that. And I do actually see a real opening for me in terms of, of really being able to gain from all the experiences I've had in the past through opera or through, you know, my love of Judy Garland. I can just kind of infuse uh, this Broadway dream with that knowledge. So I'm very excited to actually go full on ahead into that. That's what I want. I want to conquer Broadway and the West End. Broadway and the West End. Let's, let's, yeah, let's just keep it simple. <laughs> <laughs> Dream small. That's what they always yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. No, but what yeah. what is it that drives you to conquer these new territories yeah. after so much time? What is it? Well, I you know look, it's funny because it's not. I never wanted to conquer. For instance, I never wanted to conquer the opera world, hmm. and I and I didn't. I mean, I wrote two very beautiful operas, and they've done very well, and they're very appreciated, and they're being produced. And but it's not like I'm not like at the. I'm not like the leading composer of opera or anything. And in terms of singing the Judy stuff, I never, I just did that because I thought it would be fun. But with the Broadway West End stuff, that I do want to conquer. <laughs> that is a more of a blood sport. So I'm, I'm embarking on that um, journey uh, now. I've already, I already have actually, so. Well, I'm going to wish you well with it. I cannot wait to hear what comes of it. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. My thanks to singer, songwriter, and opera composer, Rufus Wainwright. You can see him live all over the U.S. and Europe in 2022. And if you're in New York, you can catch him at City Winery. He has four dates there starting June 5th. I'll leave you with Rufus's ode to love in the modern world. This is Vibrate from Want One. I'm Talia Schlanger. Alec Baldwin will be back next week. Here's the Thing is brought to you by iHeartRadio. My phone's on vibrate for you God knows what all these new drugs do I guess to have no more fears But still I Do you dream of a healthier life, but education feels out of reach? Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School of Natural Health makes holistic education accessible with online programs to fit your busy schedule. Trinity School's Certified Natural Health Professional Program is the perfect entry point to gain foundational knowledge to empower yourself, your family, and your community to live healthier lives. Turn your passion into a career. Visit trinityschool.org for more info now. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.